Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is January 27th, 2021, and we are continuing our Dialing In During Dark Day series with this sermon entitled, Dialing In Discernment Through the Word and Through the Spirit. Amen. Look, there has seldom been a time that we can recall where the issues that are being preached about from this pulpit show up with more immediate relevance in our news cycle than they are right now. Look, Sunday morning, in the message entitled Knowing Yourself, we affirmed the biblical concept of absolute equality of all human beings from birth regardless of perceived differences between us. And our exact words were... You ready for the exact words? So we're reading this to you again because it's hard to imagine. Genesis 1 teaches us that all men are created in the image of God. In other words, we have the exact, somebody say exact, exact, same moral qualities from birth. And that is by God's design. The shading of our skin has zero effect on the moral quality of a human being. We were all created in the image of God. What we do with that image is a wholly different matter. The choices that we make reflect the embracing or the denial of God's image in our design. These are times, church, that we have to dial in our discernment. Well, that's true. By the sixth chapter of Genesis, it is abundantly clear that every human being on earth today is of one race. That one race is the human race. Each of us have Ham, Shem, and Japheth as our fathers. And look, simply put, children can have blonde hair, they can have red hair, they can have blue eyes, they can have brown eyes, and share the exact same parentage. Every human being on the planet today is of the exact same family. Noah's family. We are biblically speaking by definition not about different race of races any more than two brothers that have different color of eyes. Now we told you this on Sunday for a reason. And we went on to say divisive demonic powers will try to obfuscate this point. To avoid looking at the responsibility of the individual to make good moral choices in accordance with the image of God that the entire human family shares. The entire issue of racial preference is a red herring designed to create justifications for sinful behavior on every side of the equation. In fact, the entire race's argument is a false construct and a narrative designed by its very nature to cause division and also avoid all accountability for taking godly action. Church, we said those things on Sunday. And within 48 hours... How many? 48. Within 48 hours, our airwaves were filled with new initiatives that direct, and I quote, the whole of government to address racial equity. This call for equity 
sounds noble on the superficial level. But as you examine the term as they are misusing it, the initiative reveals that it's blatantly racist. And this is coming from the highest and the totality of our government. Mm. Highest levels and the totality. Yeah. It's pretty amazing what has come about in just 48 hours. Look, the, the push in our time by the largest and most well-funded government in history is to evaluate people primarily on the basis of their skin color or sexual perversion. So we'll call it for what it is. The national narrative has moved away from the content of character and become singularly focused on a preference based on race system. Now, we love you, and we promise to tell you the truth. So we told you that these people exacerbate the very problems that they pretend to resolve. We're telling you now that you are going to see that play out before your very eyes over the next weeks and months. We want to emphatically affirm that all men are born with the exact same moral qualities from birth. And what we do with God's image in our design is what every man, woman, and child in this room will be held accountable for on the day of judgment. Church, we want you to consider the definition of the words equity and equitable historically before the semantic drift of what was just presented yesterday from the highest forms of government. You see on your slide here, you have equity. The word equity is supposed to mean justice according to the natural law or what is right. And it says specifically, it's freedom from bias. Freedom it's, from It's bias. freedom from bias or freedom from favoritism. Okay, is everybody with me? You'll notice the second part of that definition is something that is equitable. Well, let's look at what equitable is. It's the adjective form of that same noun. Now, and the definition of equitable is that it is dealing fairly and equally with all that are concerned in the matter. Wow. Equally with all concerned. We want to let you know it is ironic that the words being used to cause division, to create bias, promote favoritism, and institutionalize unequal treatment are fundamentally opposed to the concepts that they are actually being associated with. In other words, the way that the word equity is being used is the exact opposite of what equity is. That is semantic drift. Yeah. Now, we want you to know, because we're family, that when God says the word equity, he means equity in its actual definition, not its semantically drifted form. He is not going to grade on a scale. He is not going to hire you into his kingdom based on affirmative action. And he will not judge based on the shading of your skin. Psalm 98 says in the ninth verse, let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness. Come on, amen. And the peoples with equity. Yeah. In yeah. other words, without bias, yeah. without amen. favoritism, yeah. without preference for one race over another because there's only one race. 
What we're saying is that all men were created equally with the image of God. All men will be judged equally based on the embracing of God's design or the very denial of it. All men will be equally accountable for their actions regardless of their own perception of their circumstances. We want you to take a look at Obadiah. Obadiah, and we're going to look at Obadiah in verse 15 since there's only one chapter. Go ahead and turn there. We're a Bible literate church. We're not going to have to skip over Obadiah because you can find it. Obadiah, verse 15, says this. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Oh, in reading this verse, you should see that our Father cares about the content of your character, not the color of your skin. Our Father will judge you by your own actions and not your feelings. Since all men were created in the image of God, what each man has done with the image of God through his own actions is what you will in fact be judged for. Oh man. The Bible makes that extremely clear. To see this further, we want you to consider 2 Corinthians 5.10. Turn there and we'll read it. Now if you weren't awake before now, you're going to want to wake up for this. Second Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Did you notice the words each of us? Yes. Did you also notice the words good or bad? Look, if this verse was written by the federal government, it would say that Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, or Native Americans will receive what is due them for perceived wrongs in the centuries before they were born. Oh, wow. If this verse was written by the federal government, it would say that black and brown Americans will be awarded righteousness before all others. Because at some point in history, their forefathers were denied it. <laughs> if this verse was written by the federal government, it would say that because of the privileged Caucasians and having received and being denied sufficient color, they will need to enter purgatory prior to being received into the kingdom to ensure that all are being treated equally. I mean, with the new equity. These ideas are absurd. They're the epitome of worldly thinking. And it reminds us of a statement that Paul made to the Corinthians. I'm just going to read this one to you because I want you to stay in tune with me. This is 2 Corinthians 5.16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Amen. If you think deeply about the subjects that we're suggesting to you, like the idea of hiring all federal employees, examining all lending, 
reducing all land ownership issues to a racial equation. That's more than worldly. The approach is retrograde. It is racist. It is deeply offensive to the very populations that they are pretending to support. As the federal government assumes the role of God in declaring that we are not equal, they insult you and then pretend that you need their help to become equal so that you will worship their policies with a godlike reverence. It is insulting. If you have ever seen the diagrams for equity, some people in it are shorter than others and just need more help to reach a place of equality. Think deeply about what they're saying when they identify you as a black, brown, native, Asian American. They are saying by definition, you can't do it without them. And I find that insulting. We all should. See, we're going to pick up tonight in a different government. One made up of uh, native Egyptians. <laughs> newly arrived immigrant Hyksos. And the minority population of the Jews. Those Jews. Those Jews. Notice in our dark days that the distinguishing factor in the story is not racial bias. But rather, who was being moved by the spirit and the word of God in their discernment. See, turn with us to Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to look at 38. Genesis 41 and 38. When you get there, say, I'm dialing in. 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 Soon you may not be able to find our sermons on Facebook. You may not be able to find them on YouTube, but you will always be able to research them in that book that is in your lap. Genesis 41, 38. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. We want you to understand that all the men in this story were made in the image of God. But there was only one that was being moved by the Spirit of God to declare the Word of God for the darkness of their coming days. Consider that each person present in Pharaoh's court undoubtedly had ethnic distinctions. And apparently in corrupt human government, that's the only thing that's important. But in God's government, the one that is coming to the earth and will rule forever and ever, the actual distinguishing factor is who is being moved in their discernment by the Spirit of God. Amen. That's the important thing. Amen. Church, thankfully, Pharaoh was not a Republican or a Democrat. Amen. Amen to that. He was just a man who recognized the source of Joseph's discernment and wisdom, and that, that was derived from the Spirit who designed him. You can see it even on your screen that Pharaoh is acknowledging there's no one like Joseph who has the Spirit of God upon him, who is able to make known this God that makes known to men what is in his heart. It doesn't seem as if Pharaoh was trying to cure an injustice from the past no. 
or reach a quota or slide his finger down a scale to fulfill a percentage. He just recognized when somebody was in their design as aided by the Spirit of God. Amen. Look, when you think about our current trends, they have been tried under various forms of communism, various forms of socialism. And here's the point. They've always failed. But when you consider Joseph's experience, it has never failed. Remember, nearly the same scenario played out with Daniel and the Babylonian monarch. If you really want to dial in your discernment, it's always by the Spirit of God that you do so. You can see the policies that are being kicked around our day littering the decline of every nation that has ever tried them. But you can also see a scarlet thread working through the Bible that in any situation, with any ethnicity, with any background, when a man is moved by the Spirit of God, then God uses him to accomplish his will on the earth. That was true for Joseph. That was true for Daniel. Those men lived centuries apart and had different governments that they were working with. When God sets something as true, it is always true. True. Let's go to Isaiah 55. We're going to be in verse 9. Are you guys dialed in? The underground servers looking for domestic terrorists are probably spinning with magnetic tape at a high rate right now. We'll see if we can touch on every sensitive subject of our time. I don't know if I'm white but I know I'm not fragile. (laughs) Here's verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's government and God's thoughts are higher than the mental illness being embraced at a national level in our country. More importantly, God's spirit and his word are the only thing that will help you dial in your discernment so that your life accomplishes the very desires of God. If you're waiting for the federal government to do it, they can't help themselves, much less you. Come on, consider what we're saying here. As you begin to dial in your discernment by knowing the Father by elevating his status even in your own heart, you begin to know yourself. You begin to clearly be able to identify the things that must be crucified, that must be put to death in you. Then you're able to walk to the labor and understand and have that renewed image of God in you, that the completion of knowing yourself. Then you begin to ask his spirit to dial in your discernment through the very words that comes from his mouth. See, this is not going to return empty like uh, some current politicians promise. This is the Spirit of God that leads you into the Word of God that leads you into dialing in your discernment. The Spirit of God is helping us dial in our discernment. 
We want to make sure you understand God is not pouring over this uh, chart of race and ethnicity. He is not looking for statistical differences between shades of skin. No, he is looking for those who will follow the leading of the spirit and word. And he ends up with every tribe, tongue and nation before his throne. This is how God's government works. To help put together some of what we have been preaching now for days. You can hear that we are also referencing events that are happening in our headlines. What you may not be aware of is we're preaching on them before they're showing up in our headlines because God is dialing us in. Now, whether Rice University needs to change its name based on what Susan Rice just said and did, that's a whole other matter. And if you don't know who she is, you're blessed for that. As we are drawing near to the image of the Father, it allows you to know who He is. Then you're examining your own life and you start to know yourself better. You start to see the differences between you and the Father and you cry out for change. Literally in my life, those were the words, Lord, change me. At the altar, we pick up discernment because we start to know ourselves. Knowing the Father leads to knowing yourself. And then something beautiful happens. Something that we could refer to as a kind of miracle at a labor. But to better understand the miracle at the labor, I want to start with you in Ezekiel 36. And we're going to pick up in verse 26. Say dialed in when you get there. I will give you a new heart. That's hope. Thank you, Jesus. My God, has there ever been a need for a new heart like there is now? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now, you've heard us quote this many, many times. In relation to knowing the Father and knowing yourself at the altar and then moving to the labor, I want you to start to pick up on this as the pastors talk about Ezekiel 36. At the labor, you are given a new heart. See, at the altar, you are asking for one. At the altar, you're getting rid of everything that doesn't belong. But at the labor, you become someone new. Amen. The way that Titus says this is it is the renewal of the spirit, the washing of rebirth. You get to the place where you know the Father and you hate what your life has degenerated into. And so you repent of that and you put it to death. But at the labor... Something amazing happens. There is a newness 
of your purpose, a newness of your design. You are given a new heart and you are given a new spirit. It is the washing of rebirth, the renewal in the spirit. Now, what I mean is that your design that God created you for comes alive. Your purpose is renewed. Christians who experience the labor concept are no longer managing their sin. They're no longer defining themselves by what they don't do. Christians that have had the labor experience are a brand new creation in Christ. And it is, it is a work of a new heart being given to you. You're not asking for it. It has now arrived. And it's not just a new heart. It is a brand new, regenerate, completely whole spirit that he puts in you. Ezekiel does not stop there. You will see the whole process of salvation, the whole process of the tabernacle, and the whole process of dialing in your discernment over these next few verses. Church, we are not just simply talking about an exercise. What you heard Pastor Eric just talk about was the experiencing of the miracle that takes place at the labor. See, as you guys are praying, I know that this church is committed to it. I know that God is dialing us in. But what you should feel right now, what I'm feeling right now in my heart is that there is a miracle that's needed for some of you, and it needs to take place at the labor. You need to understand what God is doing, that you can have a new spirit, that daily you get your spirit renewed, that daily you can have a new heart that is given to you, and then it goes on and it goes even further. What? Further than the miracle, yes, it's something even beautiful that takes place immediately after. Look at verse 27. It's on your screen. And I will put my spirit in you. You have a second experience with the very spirit of God. The renewed spirit is now engaging with his spirit. He's able to work in you. He is able to lead you as you step forward to the menorah, as you have his will becoming clear to you. It is illuminated. The very warmth of God's presence is now before you. The miracle at the labor allows you to have another, a second experience with the spirit, the sevenfold, the seven branch entirety of God's spirit then begins to lead you. He then begins to illuminate his pathway to you. Church, this is the miracle that we're wanting for you as you are walking through the tabernacle. Amen. It's more than just the, the, the rote rhetoric of it. It is something where you begin to experience a new spirit. You begin to experience His Spirit coming into you daily. Somebody say daily. daily. My God, we need this in our lives today. Let me put this in theological terms for you. You hear of the greatness of God, so you go through the gates of praise. At the altar, you are repenting like at the cross. But at the labor, you actually experience the new creation. You are Amen. born again, born of water and the Spirit. But verse 27 is a second blessing with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It is not you just being born again. It is not you just being renewed inwardly. It is the almighty menorah of God leading and lighting your way, dialing in your discernment, breathing his life into you. As I'm looking at this verse, I see a hope of this promise. In the simple words, I will. 
I will put a new heart and spirit within you. I will put my spirit on you. And that leads us somewhere. I want you to understand, having been reborn at the labor and baptized in his spirit at the menorah, then his word, his laws, his decrees begin to dial in your discernment. Look, I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost for the first time. I opened up God's word. And no longer was it like reading a textbook in a foreign language. No longer was I trying to decipher some kind of hidden code all on my own. Instead, I had the counselor sitting right next to me. And the words literally jumped right off the page. The word became living and active to me. I was engaging this very process of now having been reborn at the labor, having been baptized in the Holy Ghost at the menorah, his laws and decrees were coming alive inside of me. Not just within my mind, but stirring within my soul and directing the way that I walk. But here's the hope. It not only happened that day, it happened the day after. And the day after. And guess what? It's still going on. Every time that I hear, I think of, I read God's word, his spirit is right there to illuminate the laws and statutes of what God demands, and it comes alive inside of me. Now, friends, I, uh, I'm not as socially unaware as, as you think I am. I'm woke. <laughs> I woke this morning at about 10 a.m. And I woke to the truths of the word every hour thereafter. I don't want to seem obtuse to you. There are certainly generational inequities that must be dealt with. I mean real social injustice. That has to be cured. Consider Deuteronomy 29.29. While we're talking about generational inequities. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we, say we, we, may follow all the words of this law. See, the real systemic disadvantage is that men fail to be led by the Spirit and the Word of God. And then they fail to give their children the things of the Spirit and Word of God because they didn't get them. That is a systemic problem. But it isn't race-based It's based on a lack of desire to get the things of God. The secret is that you have to desire to be more than you are. You have to desire to return to what God created you for. You have to be about his government on the earth. And once you have that, once you have really gotten that and it has gotten hold of you, you give it to the generations. Does anybody have a desire for the secret things of the Lord in this place? Come on now, think about it. When a man, regardless of your race, of your color, of your ethnicity, of the country of Oregon, of origin, is led by the Spirit into the Word. 
The revelation that comes from the heavens is now a gift for you. That gift you are then able to impart into the generations that come after you. You're able to leave an inheritance of the heavens for your generations. Man, what a different kind of understanding that we're to have. It's not gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. You are getting the (laughs) secrets of the heavens and you are giving it to your generations for now and forevermore so that we can follow all the words of the Lord. Church, you want to talk about leaving that inheritance of the heavens for your generations? That's when we're talking about building generational wealth. And I promise you that's not based on racial bias. Would you like some generational wealth? Yes. Would you like to leave an inheritance to your children's children? Yes. It's based on your desire, not the color of your skin or the way that your ancestors were treated. Every man and every woman that is hearing the sound of my voice can cry out to the heavens and God will meet you where you are at. But it requires you to go to his altar and die to the identity that you now have. It requires you to go to the labor and experience the renewal, the regeneration of his spirit inside of you. That will never be done as a victim. It can only be done as a son of God returning to his father. Isn't this hope for our generations? When we operate in God's government, there's a wealth of the heavens that we can store for our generations. We want you to know, not only is it not based on racial bias. It works outside of your own genetics. We want you to consider Samuel. So everybody turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll look at verse 19. Say, I'm dialed in whenever you're there. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel had an experience in the spirit and the word of God, and he transferred that to David, who was not his biological son. And David then took that and built the kingdom of God on earth, the very throne that Jesus then would inherit. See, it wasn't that Samuel was just of the right race. He knew the banker, you know, (laughs) Mr. Whitey that gave him all of the cash. It was that Samuel had tapped into the treasuries of heaven through the spirit and the word. And the thing is, Samuel did not give that generationally as a wealth inherited or like an estate to his own children, that's not the point of the story. It's that he became the teacher and discipler of a man named David. And the Bible infers from many passages, just like Numbers 3, where Moses is credited with Aaron's sons, that if you teach a man the Torah... To that man, you have become a father, and he has become a son. When we're talking about generational wealth inequities, what we're really saying is we will not embrace the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, any man that you teach the Torah to, 
to him you become like a father and to you he becomes like a son god established the davidic dynasty by using samuel to invest into david they were related but not in the same family they were related but it was not a father-son relationship except through discipleship the davidic dynasty is the throne that Jesus Christ will reign on in Israel. When God wants to build something, he starts with a man by interacting with him through the spirit and the word. He then begins to discern what he must do. He dials in his discernment. This is how God set up the government of Jesus Christ. What an incredible man Samuel was. It says in verse 19 that the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. The reason that none of his words fell to the ground is because he had so ingrained God's words in his heart that the spirit of God was with him and those were the words that he spoke. But I have something right here on the screen in verse 21. It says the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. Now, see, you might just think of that and you might think of a particular daughter of the Molochs. You might think of just a city. But what was housed there in Shiloh was the tabernacle itself. See, the Lord continued. He continued to appear exactly as he had always done, exactly in the prescribed pattern that was given, that Samuel learned to go into the tabernacle. He learned to glorify the Father and, and exalt him. He learned of his own state and what it was like to stand at the labor in a renewed image. He learned what it was like to see the very leading of the Holy Spirit that led him into the Word, the Spirit that continued to lead him into the Word, the Spirit that taught him the Word, the Spirit that illuminated it and what that did is that allowed Samuel to be able to dial in his discernment and have generations that followed including and especially King David after him Amen. church this is the same pathway that we're on this is exactly what the Lord is speaking to us in prophecies before the service he is dialing us in and this is the way for us to dial in our discernment church do you hear the hope that we're giving you that we have the ability to dial in our discernment. Yes. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 143. We'll look at verse 10. Say, so I'm dialed in whenever you're there. I was thinking about the word stimulus checks. I don't find them that stimulating. <laughs> I don't like the idea that you can just print more of something. It kind of makes everything that you have less valuable. You know what I like less? I like less that they're taking it from Tom and Martha. I like less that they're taking it from Charlie and Joe. And they're stimulating us with what they did not earn and should not be able to give away. But apparently the masses find it stimulating. You know what I find stimulating? The word and the spirit of God. I love Psalm 143. Man, that's, that's generational wealth right there. Verse 10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Mm. This verse is really the great need of our times, isn't it? Where is the cry of the people saying, teach me to do your will? 
we're full of little Christianisms like, well, really all you need to do is just believe these three things. Friends, you're closer to hell than you think by thinking like that. The man who actually knows the Father, who actually knows himself, the man who has been regenerated through the washing and the renewal at the laver, his constant cry is, teach me to do your will. For you are my God. I now belong to you. I am committed to becoming like you. You have made me new, but I still don't know how to be like you. Teach me to do your will. See, there's not enough of that kind of cry in the church community today, which is why there is such little actual genuine leading of the Spirit. The national narrative is about making us all victims dividing us all and trying to find a way to get us mad at each other for something that somebody's great-grandparents did somewhere. I was born 46 years ago today. My mom was drunk when I was born, and that's only because she wasn't able to abort me through alcohol. Now, don't get mad at my mama. She's done a lot better since that day. But the day of my birth was ordained by God, and the circumstances have nothing to do with it. How can you be disadvantaged by something that you don't even remember? Instead, the beginning of my life is actually the moment I learned to say, Teach me to do your will, Father! That is the beginning of all good things. Every man was made exactly the same with the image of God. But you have to awaken and ask the Lord, teach me to do your will. And men who don't, no excuse, will stand on the day of judgment. It simply will not be graded on a curve. No academic points will be awarded. You either did or did not come into the one new man that is Christ. Say this first line of this scripture with me. Say, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. Now say it like you actually mean it. Teach me to do your will. When you actually mean that, the process that takes place is right in the second half of the verse. The way that the Lord begins to teach you to do his will is that his good spirit leads you onto the level ground of his word. He begins to illuminate that to you. You can't even understand the word until his good spirit is leading you to that level ground. Come on, you know this to be true. Has anybody ever read a passage and then, and then somebody like Pastor Matt would come behind you and start explaining. And you're like, wow, I had no idea that that was right there. But you just read it. See, what was happening is you saw a man who had the Spirit of God leading him into this good level ground of the Word. The Bible tells us, and I think it's in John 14, that His Spirit will teach us all things and remind us of that which He's taught us. What do you think the all things that the Spirit is going to teach you about? It is going to illuminate He, the Spirit, is going to illuminate the Word in your life. This is how you're led onto level ground. No more roller coasters in your life. No more falling off cliffs. You have the Spirit that leads you into the Word. And that is the only way. Somebody say only. Only. It's the only way that you can really understand what the Word is. Otherwise, you have your own thoughts and you go to Google 
and you get a concordance for what you think your thoughts are. That's not getting into the word. That's not the word getting into you. You have to have his good spirit. His good spirit leads you onto the level ground of his word. And that is what it looks like to be instructed for God to begin to teach you his will. Now, Matthew has some truth for you that is coming. And I probably shouldn't interrupt the process. But when pastor mentioned Google. Listen, if you get a dictionary that was printed 100 years ago. The words did not change meaning in 500 years. You cannot even trust a Google definition today. Much like the silencing of any speech that is not agreed with, now they have the ability to redefine any word and generations don't realize that's even what's happening. We're going to have to wake up. Look, I want to remind you guys. Something that has been a a foundational understanding in this house is that the man filled with the spirit is never at a disadvantage. Never. And I am talking about dark days. I am talking about facing persecution. But let's bring it to our real everyday life. The man filled with the spirit is never a disadvantage when you sit down to read the word. The spirit is there. He is ready to illuminate the character of God to lead you into all truth that's found in his word. In fact, the truth is that we've applied some of these things to the dark days and the corrupt nature of the governments of men. But all we are really concerned with is what governs you and how you are dialing in your discernment. That can only be done by knowing the father. Say, know the father. Know the father. Dying to your sinful nature. Say, die to the sinful nature. Die to the sinful nature. Being renewed at the labor. Say, be renewed at the labor. Be renewed at the labor. Led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. And walking in His Word. Walking in His Word. Right after the Apostle Peter gets the revelation of who Messiah is in Matthew 16. By the time you reach the 23rd verse, he is rebuked as if he were Satan himself. Do you remember what Jesus said to him next? You always have in mind the things of men and not of God. See, it is possible to really love the Lord, to have been drawn to him by his presence, and to come to a place where you recognize you are a sinner at the altar or at the cross. But never having gone on to the actual renewal of rebirth. And even if you have visited the laver, it's been so long since you visited the laver that you're not actually being led by a spirit because you have in your mind the things of men. In fact, if you're dwelling in discontentment day in and day out, and ironically, some of you who are got up and walked out of the room. How can you have in mind the things of God while being unsatisfied and discontented with your life? See, you you would fit well in Washington like that. You probably believe that it's somebody else's fault in some other generation. See, you cannot have in mind the things of men and have in mind the things of God. One will always displace the other. This is why Peter was being rebuked, 
But I'd like to keep it on a positive note for you. Amen? Let's go to John 16, 13 and say dialed in when you get there. Amen, Timo. You are dialed in. In fact, there are people all over the country and all over the world that are listening to me talk to you right now. And since you can't see him, I just want to tell you this is one handsome brother he's full of the spirit of god he's got a great smile a brilliant mind a bright future i mean he is a catch are y'all in john 16 13 dialed in but when he i want you to catch something because i've got a moment to do it the spirit is not an it eliminate that from your vocabulary the spirit is he and it's not a gender-neutral pronoun. You may not be able to say this on the House of Representatives floor, but you can still say it here. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. Aside from the fact that this is not a fluid situation, the Spirit is always a He, always has been a He, always will be a He. Amen. Amen. You really should pick up on the words, all truth. There is nothing in this world worth knowing that the Spirit will not lead you into. He said, but I have to learn physics. The Spirit will lead you into the study of physics if physics is what your life is about as far as His purposes. He will lead you into all truth. All means, shockingly, all. We haven't semantically drifted away from that one yet. Everything that you will ever need in your entire life if you have been renewed at the altar, the Spirit will lead you into if you need to become a pilot to serve god's purposes the spirit will lead you to the right school to become a pilot he will show you all things he leads those that belong to him into all truth if you could grab hold of the profound nature of that you would know to dial in my discernment, there is nothing that I would need to do more than keep an ear to what the Spirit is saying because He leads us into all truth. Amen. Having the Spirit Himself lead us into all truth. One of my favorite phrases is right after that, He will not speak on His own. The Spirit of God will not speak on His own he will speak only what he hears. Constantly being attuned. Constantly, you want to talk about having dialed in discernment. The Holy Spirit himself is so dialed in that he will not speak of anything other than what he is hearing fresh in that moment. Fresh, right when you need it. He is listening. He is hearing the Father. It's almost exactly what Jesus says in John chapter 5. He won't do anything unless he hears the Father. He won't judge anything unless he sees the Father doing it. 
This is what the Holy Spirit is able to do. You can entrust yourself that in the process of him leading you into all truth, he does that by staying connected constantly in the Holy Spirit discerning what the Father is wanting. If the Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears, if he only does what he is listening to, how much more do we need to get this understanding in our life? There's nothing that you can do without staying attuned and dialing into what the Holy Spirit, what he is teaching us. When Jesus Christ said something and it was written down, what did that become? Scripture. I want you to say it out loud. What did that become? The Word. <laughs> becomes the Word of God. It is the Word of God because it's proceeding from Him. And the Spirit is only reminding you of what He has heard from God. The Spirit and the Word are always in agreement. The Spirit is always reminding and pointing you back to what He has heard the Father and the Son saying. In addition to that, notice in this verse, says he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come wow the spirit and the word in agreement with each other will reveal to you what is yet to come this is how you dial in your discernment i can't help but imagine or, or, or picture when jesus is being baptized he is the word of god the spirit of god descends upon him and now combined together the first thing that he does is that he goes into a situation where he is confronting sin head on. And he has the discernment that he needs to understand yet what is to come in the future. This is also how we can start telling you dark days are coming. And it's not based on a presidential election. Go back and look at the recordings. When everybody else is prophesying there's a second term. Well, let's just go to Ephesians. <laughs> in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. By the way, I thought we were in dark days before as well. I want you to know this is not a Republican and Democrat issue. This is a born again and not born again yeah. Yeah. issue. Yeah. I've never been more surprised than the elastic nature of the evangelical community to be able to commit to men who are misogynistic, men who worship wealth and call it Christian and be okay because you agree on a few political points. It's, it's really ridiculous. If a man's wife has ever posed in Playboy magazine, if he hasn't stood up and repented of that publicly, how dare you hold him up as God's answer for the problems? And I've been saying that for the previous four years, okay? Are we in Ephesians 1.13? And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Look, no races are excluded from the message of truth. It goes out to all mankind, and all mankind can embrace the message of truth. What this means is then there are two camps, those that embrace the message of truth and those that deny the message of truth. 
and there's not a third camp. When we say a deposit guarantee, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is not a down payment on a car. I know you've heard those analogies. That is not who he is. That is not what he is. His presence in your life guarantees something as you listen to him and obey him. See, this guarantee is not designed to cause you to rock back, go to autopilot, set the coast, the cruise control, and just coast your way. This deposit guaranteeing is the ability for the Spirit to be able to speak to you and to lead you into His Word so that daily, step by step, moment by moment, you are not only aimed at the trajectory of where you must end up, but God is course correcting you every step. He's showing you how to avoid the pitfalls. This deposit that guarantees your inheritance is what causes you to walk daily in the discernment that comes from hearing the Spirit, from learning the Word, that Spirit leading you into His level ground of the Word. That's the deposit. You're able to hear Him. You're able to go to Him. You're able to learn from Him daily hourly, every minute, so that you're able to achieve all that God has. We are not designed to be on cruise control. We're designed to be able to dial it in for the Holy Spirit to help us and lead us into his word. We're approaching a place where we're going to close soon. But Pastor Matthew has some truth to lay on you. I want to give you a Hebraic background for what it means to be a deposit guaranteeing the redemption of those that are God's possession. Are you ready for it? How did the Israel coming out of Egypt know that they would arrive at the promised land? Because the Lord's Spirit went before them. The Word declared it and the Spirit was leading them there. They didn't know which way to go, but His Spirit showed them where to camp. How did they obtain the military victories of receiving the promised land? The Spirit and the Word showed them how to fight every battle. Stop thinking that because you spoke in tongues one time when you were 12, you've received the deposit guaranteeing. That is not what he's talking about. His ongoing presence, counsel, and advice in your life as you are dialing into it, that guarantees that you arrive at the goal that he aimed you at. That is what the deposit guaranteeing means. Did you hear that ongoing presence and counsel? That's the deposit guarantee. There's one more thing in this verse we want to point out when it says the redemption of those who are God's possession. We want you to notice in this very verse that every tribe, every tongue, every race can become God's possession because God is a God of equity. <laughs> equity in the Merriam-Webster 1800 version, <laughs> not version. Google being amended presently version. Yes, yes. This is done by knowing the Father. This is done by then dying to your sinful nature, being renewed and reborn at the labor, led by the Spirit because you're filled with the Spirit, and then having the ability to rightly walk in His Word. Look, I was going to read to you seven passages from the book of Revelation, and now I'm not. So... Could, it, could we just agree that if you survey chap, or chapters 2 and 3, seven times you're going to hear something. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the 
Spirit says to the churches. Now, when they wrote down what the Spirit was saying to the churches, what did that become? The Word. The Spirit and the Word are always in agreement, and that's how you dial in your discernment. What the Spirit was saying to the churches forms the Word of God, and the Spirit reminds us of what the Word says. It's a very reciprocal relationship. When you're not sure you're hearing from the Lord, go right back to the Word. A hundred percent of the time, living in His Word and His thoughts will help you be led by Him, and that's how we dial in our discernment. This carries on, and you see it in the book of Revelation in chapter 19, when Jesus Himself, who is called the faithful and true, See, he is the one that is also said about him that the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Jesus Christ. See, you're seeing both the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. And as he is the one leading them out in the battle, he's faithful. He's true. He's got a robe that's dipped in blood. And on his robe and on his thigh is written the name. He is the word of God. The name, the king of kings and the Lord of lords is who he is. The spirit of Christ is the spirit and it is the word itself. And you see that embodied personally embodied in Revelation 19 with Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is our final scripture. So what do you want to do? Dial in. Say I'm dialed in whenever you're there. 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 6. Do you know that you no longer have to be a citizen to be included in a census in this country? But you do, you do have to be a citizen of heaven to be included in his kingdom. Amen. You, you do. There'll be no non-citizens included in God's census. It will not happen. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. 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 No. We declare God's wisdom. A mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Mm. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Still don't. (laughs) For if they had... They would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Don't you want to know the thoughts of God? Yes. The Spirit of God will reveal it. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by The Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit 
does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only. Everybody say only. Only. Through the Spirit. These are dark days. And I'm kind of excited. I actually think they're going to get much darker. You don't need to be worried about your 401ks. I'm sure the government will take care of you. What you actually need to be worried about is that you are not led astray by a flood of dissipation. By a church world that is so weak, so blind, and so impotent that they don't even know what to do with a lockdown mandate. You need to hear from the Spirit of God. You need to see it in the Word of God. You need to recognize what is obvious demonic lie and bombardment for what it is. You need to be able, these are not political statements. This is the world versus the kingdom of God. And if you really want to improve your discernment, start back with a study of who is the father. Then look who am I in relation to him? Because I'm just going to tell you, the father never expresses anything that looks like ungratefulness, victim mentality, any of those things. He doesn't do that. Circumcise away from you the attitudes that act like scales over your ears and eyes so that you can't hear. Circumcise it away. Ask him to help you. Then, most importantly, at the labor, put on who you are in Christ. Demand that any thought outside of that is not actually you. It's an attack from the enemy. Stand and fight to be identified as Christ. Nothing else. No additions. No addendums. No modifications. Just Christ. And then something amazing will start to happen. Because you're fully his and fully dedicated to him with no other weird agendas like punishing your husband or the rest of the church. Then his spirit will start to empower you. Will start to teach you. Will start to lead you. Your study of the word will come alive. And you'll actually find yourself in partnership with what God wants to do on earth. Would you guys stand to your feet? Tonight, this altar is a place where you can come forward. Having understood how to begin to dial in, this dialing in requires that we have more of the Spirit at work in our lives, that the Word become more alive to us now. Church, the Lord is dialing us in. Can you feel it? See, but we don't want to stop with just the amount that the Lord has already dialed us in. We're going to need to continually be dialed in for the dark days that we are already in. Come on, close, raise your hands with me. Mighty God, Lord, we love you, God. Lord, we are desperately in need of your spirit to lead us to that level ground of your word. Your good spirit, Lord, that would lead us into your word, Lord that we may not have the thoughts of man upon us. Lord, that we may not be caught up in our own thoughts, 
our own desires, but those things would be washed away, Lord, that we would have an understanding of who you are, the things that must fall away, Lord, that we could stand with a new spirit, with a new heart, and have your spirit, your good spirit come into us and revive us and teach us and show us what your word is about, mighty one. Lord, continue to dial us in now. Lord, we need your spirit to guide us. We need your word to show us and to teach us, Lord. We must have more of your spirit and word. Lord, dial us in tonight. In Jesus' name.